Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a map of our unique potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you'd like to dive deeper into your design, we invite you to check out our ongoing foundation courses and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. In this episode, we meet with Darman Swanherbert, a 1-3 reflector on the cross of the unexpected. He shares how human design came into his life and his process of coming to know and love himself. With the experience that comes over decades in human design and 80 years on this planet, he talks about the system as a map that can assist us in coming to greater awareness of ourselves and how we experience life. We explore the mind and the deconditioning process and the primacy of direct experience and the present moment. We also touch on compromise in relationships and the possibility of a reflector community offering in the future. We hope you enjoy Dharman's deep and profound wisdom. How can I be of service? Well, we feel lucky to get to be with you today and know that you have been working with this for a very long time. We'd love to know if you could share with us what your initial contact with human design was like and what that showed you about yourself or what you learned from that first initial meeting with the knowledge itself. I have a guardian angel that has been with me for quite a while, and that's Mary Ann Winninger, also known as Potty Potter. We were sannyasins together, where I first met her. And basically, she saved my life a few times. And this was one of the times. I had been living in Hawaii for 15 years, loved most of it, raised my boys in Hawaii. They went to school on the mainland. There was no sense Lila and I staying in Hawaii because it was really for the family. So the first place we go through cartography says this is the best place to actualize what it is that you- it was Las Vegas. So much for cartography. But at any rate, terrible place for me. Marianne and I off and on have been in touch over the years. But whenever I get in trouble, <laughs> she is the first person I look to. So I called her. I said, hey, look, we're dying here. Got to get out. Any suggestions? She says, well, I kind of got involved with this thing called human design. And I don't know if it's going to be any good for you. But so Lena and I took a trip from Las Vegas to Sedona, Arizona. And set up an appointment to get our reading from Ra. And here, this little dude bowed up to my elbow. You know, and I'm saying, typical. This is typical. White guy going to tell me how to live my life. Yeah, okay, fine. All right. You know, Marianne said, okay. So he says, you're a reflective. I said, okay, what? Because I knew absolutely nothing about it. The next thing he said, if you want to know what affected me, was you're totally open and there's nothing you can do about it. And all of a sudden, just in that moment, all of my life crystallized. It was like I was always trying to get something, always trying to be something, always trying to hold on to something, always trying, 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 trying. And being open was like, huh basically gave me my reading, which it was okay. But those words just stuck with me. So for the next 
three months, Lila and I, we hung out. Well, we moved to Sedona. And I got to a place where I needed to be on my own. I knew it. I just, it was like, I got to go. So I went to Seattle, which is a city that I dearly love. And I said, okay, I've got these parameters. I've got this I Ching. So let me see. Let me see. So every morning, put my chart up, write in what the activations were going to be for that day. And I just started walking. Now I'm a reflective. <laughs> so walking nowadays, I'm 80, is very far-fetched. But back then, I walked all over the hills of Seattle and along the lake. And all I did was, okay, so let me see what I feel. And that was what I began to understand was the key. It's not about what the energy says. It's about how I've experienced the energy. How do I feel this energy? Not what the energy is. How I experience the energy. And I did that for 18 months straight, but I did it for three years altogether. During that time, it really became very clear to me. I had been running and chasing after life. Not what I'm here for. I'm not here to chase after anything. I'm here to experience everything. See, all the energy beings, they're pushed. It's a constant push. Projectors, you may not be pushed. A lot of you are. <laughs> you, sir, are. <laughs> but you have something that's fixed. You can, there's nothing you can change about it. And you can only experience life through that fixedness. There's nothing fixed about me. See, even projectors really don't understand non-energy because you have something that's fixed. So part of my recognition was I can't look to anyone or anything that's going to tell me about me. I've got to discover that for me. And it doesn't matter what the words say. I've got to feel it. I've got to really see, hey, what is this energy? And, and what, what is the push on me? And so I did that for my first seven years. And then I realized, huh, I'm a one-three. Whoa, I really don't care about anybody or anything. I care about me. Wow, that was a revelation. Ooh, oh, okay, so, all right, great. Now, one of the things that I, I had come to understand by that time was that first lines are the teacher lines, right? It's the place that you start, right? Third lines are the experience lines. I've been to this, oh, oh, nothing but experience. And I realized, okay, one, I found human design, I was 57. So I had lived a good deal of life. I'm still not a spring chicken, although I do look pretty still pretty good. Oh, that's just my ego. I, I got a big one, even though it's empty, but it's big. <laughs> so part of the realization was that I was hearing a lot of people and they're thinking about what human design was and what human design should be. 
And it was like, what are you people talking about? Human design is about you finding you. It ain't about what you, you're going to change the world. Good luck with that. And so being as old as I was, and all of my life, all of my life, I've been a teacher. All of my jobs, teaching, training, and it wasn't anything that I consciously decided I was going to do. It's what showed up every time. All right. So, okay. So I started teaching. And what teaching has shown me is, you know, people really like their minds. They do. They love their minds because their minds don't really do a damn thing until they train their minds to recognize how the body experiences being alive. All they're doing is just being mine. And mine, I mean, if you look at it, mine is controlled by the ego. What mine is controlled by is controlled by the ego. Why? Well, because the ego's a dumb muscle. That's all it is. It's dumb. Got no intelligence. I'm sorry, 2551, but your ego has no intelligence. I'm sorry, it has no intelligence. And as a consequence, it is a powerful push. Well, the mind, why? Because the mind is for counting. The mind is for measuring. The mind's not about experiencing. So until you train your mind to recognize it's the body that experiences the life, your life is going to be run by the ego, which is why men are running every goddamn thing. I mean, if you look at it, that's all that's taking place. Men run this world based on the ego. The realm is Earth, right? 45. You know, 51, the warrior. Oh, yeah, I got that spirit. We're going we're gonna to win. The 21, oh, I got to make sure I control everything. I got to have everything under my control. And then we got the beautiful 41, and it says, oh, my goodness. I've got to provide for all these damn people. Ugh. You got to provide for this family. <laughs> but that's what's been running planet Earth. So the question is, can men finally wake up and recognize we're not here to control life? That's the ego. We're not here to control it. We're here to support life. We should be the guardians of this planet, not the destructors. So that's how I got involved. I'm wondering if you can describe to us more about the deconditioning process as you see it. What was surprising for you about it? What have you learned from it about the cycles of deconditioning that we go through? Can you deconstruct that for us a bit? We live conditions. That's just life. You're not going to decondition. You're not. What you're going to do is become aware. It still doesn't mean that there's not going to be conditions that you deal with. It's just that you're going to become aware of it. See, it's not about making this planet perfect. It's about you recognizing you're alive. You're alive. Not for somebody else. Not for something else. You're alive for you to experience being alive. For me, that's all awareness is. Awareness is simply the recognition, I'm alive. 
And this is how I experience being alive. And no one on this planet can experience being alive for me or like me. And so for the first time, I got to the place where, you know, the walking, in a way, deconditioned me, right? Because I'm not built to walk. So there was a lot of stuff that went into, and I, I recognized I had to be clear if I was going to walk. I had to be clear. I couldn't be walking for a reason. So I just walked. See, for me, deconditioning is simply recognizing and understanding my mind does not run my life. That, for me, is what deconditioning is, period. It's helping the mind recognize that it's not your job. Your job is to observe how the body experiences life. That's the mind's job. And when we finally get to a place where that becomes our daily mantra, if you will, then life just takes care of itself. I'm 80 years old. I'm a black male who grew up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. <laughs> There's no reason I'm supposed to be alive. And that's the point. There's no reason I'm supposed to be alive. I'm alive because life keeps me here. So I need to understand how life feels so that I can recognize when it's supporting me, and when I'm fighting it. Because life's not out to get us. I mean, it really isn't. We're on a living planet. You know, everybody talks about God, right? This being in the sky. We're on God. We are, are an aspect of God. That's what this planet is. This planet is a living planet. It's our God. <laughs> you know, the sun helps. It helps. <laughs> But the sun ain't the reason that this planet is thriving. It's not the reason. It's going to burn it up pretty good long after we're done. But it's going to burn this place up. It's okay. Because by that time, we'll be awake. That's my fervent belief. That we will wake up to the realization that we are an aspect of this planet. That the planet goes as we go. Because we're an aspect of the planet. The planet being alive uses us to gain consciousness. This is an old black man who clearly, I'm tired of life. It's clearly not tired of me, which sometimes really pisses me off, you know. It's like, <laughs> let me go for it right now loud. But clearly, it's keeping me around. So I hang out, and every so often somebody wants to talk and see what it is that's going on over here. That's what's going on over here. I'm thinking about what you were saying about definition. Definition is being something that has to be dealt with in a way. You know, my ego, for example, is something I have to deal with on a daily basis. In contrast, looking at the undefined centers, the openness, most people come in and they come into human design and they think, okay, definition good, openness bad, in some sort of either or way. It's interesting that you brought that up earlier because I've been seeing how definition is a limitation in a way. This is something I have to work with, I have to deal with. Like you said, that's how I experience life. And being able to step outside of that and see how that's part of my experience has been an interesting shift in awareness for me. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Part of the difficulty is that 80% of people on the planet are pushed. 
They don't know anything else. So when they find human design, it's all about pushing. They're going to get the answers. They're going to figure it out. <laughs> so part of the difficulty is that no one other than a reflector really understands non-energy. Say what you want to say. Nobody other than reflectors really understand that. But we're 1% of the population. And we don't know each other. We're so spread far and few between. Yeah, there may be a million of us, maybe. There's no communities where reflectors would be a part of. So part of the difficulty with having something that is fixed is that until you learn how you experience that fixedness, not what it does, but how do you experience that thickness? You're always going to be stuck with what if comes up a lot in people's lives. Because this is a measuring machine, period. That's all it is. It's a measurer. So it's always going to be, well, what if uh, we did a little bit more of that or we did a little less of that? You know, we examined this further. It's always going to be there. People are afraid to just experience how their body experiences life. They're afraid of that because it has nothing to do with the mind. Because it's all now. You can't experience yesterday. You can't experience tomorrow. You can't experience a minute from now. The now frightens people. And it frightens them because it holds so much promise. And that's a mental story. Mm. Yeah. So for me, even right now, you know, it's like I'm in the process of examining with some of the reflectors that have gone through training with me and Leela. of seeing if there's not something that can create somewhat of a, a reflector community, that some way or other, we can have something that's ours for us that helps us become clearer about who we are, how we experience, period. Because until that happens, we're really no value. We're really no value. We aren't. Because our value comes from us not having any push. So we don't get lost and intoxicated by energy. Comes and it goes, comes and it goes, comes and it goes. We know this, it comes and it goes. But the problem is, because it comes and it goes, there's nothing to hold on to. Now, that's difficult. That's difficult. I mean, I found it at an age where I had survived for 57 years. So I was like, I got nothing to lose checking this out. I didn't check every damn thing else out. It's no big thing. And I was open. One of my dearest, lovely friends said, hey, look, check it out. See what you see. That's easy. So part of this process of trying to help reflectors understand one thing, is life is about you. It's not about the community, not about others. It's not about being a reflection. <laughs> It's about you finding you. Because when you find you, life then gives you the opportunities to see what is this experience? You know, what is it to be 
a mental projector. What's that experience? Not what can I do with it? You know, not how does it limit me? It's simply how do I experience this aspect of being alive? Okay, let me explore. And I've got all my life to explore. Doesn't matter whether I got a job or I don't have a job. Although having a job is helpful. Having something where you have some income is helpful as an adult. But you don't have to be a slave to it. You know, it's like people now, they get this little bit of information about human design, and all of a sudden now they're experts. You know, they go on TikTok or Instagram, and they got all these, ooh, this is what, ooh, this is what, ooh. Great. Hey, listen, more power to you. If there are people out there who enjoy that, what's the harm? There's nothing about being human that says anything is off limits. There is nothing. We're an extension of planet Earth. We're here to explore what being alive is. That's what, that's how we're built. Human design has given us a framework, eaching, uh, all of the esoteric, all of that's part of human design. See, for me, that's what the beauty of it was. The beauty of it was is that it tied so many different ideologies into a mechanical, it's mechanical. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really nothing you got to think about. If you just follow your design and begin to understand how you experience the energies that you're built to experience, and it doesn't matter whether you're on your own with people, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You're the only thing that matters on this planet. And if you don't recognize that, then you're lost. Because then your life only has meaning if somebody else recognizes you. But if you don't recognize you, nobody will recognize you. Not possible. So how do you recognize you? And that's really all that matters. And it doesn't matter whether or not you meet the guidelines. What matters is, do you recognize you? Mm -hmm. And are you... Brave enough to just be that. But I'm a one three. I mean, you know, it's easy. It's easy for me. I don't rely on anything. Well, that's not true. I mean, this woman keeps me alive. So I, <laughs> I do rely a little. But even she knows how I feel is how I feel. It has nothing to do with anybody else or anything else. How I feel is how I feel. Nobody can experience what I experience, and I don't expect them to. I just try to help people recognize how they experience. You know, when I'm asked, that's my job, to help them recognize how they experience. I guess the thing that occurs to me is, as a mental projector, I'm wondering if there's something that you see. I don't know that we could make a generalization about there being a special relationship between reflectors and mental projectors or anything like that, but are there things that you see, any commonalities or things that you see that from your perspective on the mental projector process? You're a projector, but look what the emphasis is, mental projector. Most mental projectors that I know spend too much time in their heads thinking about what life is, how should, instead of just exploring, watch it, just see. Like a reflector, you need to be grounded in understanding design. 
right? It's a map. That's all it is. And it's constantly pointing. So if you follow for you where it's pointing, you get to see, okay, that's how I experienced that. Okay, well, that happened in this instance. Okay, so let me see. And other circumstances come up. And you begin to recognize, and this is for me, for projectors, you begin to recognize that there is a particular way in which you meet life. Oh, okay, so there's a particular way in which I meet life. Okay, great. What is that particular thing? See, once you begin to understand the map, then you can explore your particular piece of it and explore it. I mean, what the hell? That's all this life is. It's about exploration. You, finding out about you being alive, period. That's it. Doesn't matter who's in your life. Doesn't matter who's not in your life. But that's easy. I'm 80. <clears throat> I've lived through what you guys are living through. I don't feel like looking. Tell me your ages. I'm 47. And I'm 53. Okay. At 47... I was a complete idiot. At 53, I was no better. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing good. (laughs) Age does not matter one whit other than being alive. It creates a certain recognition. And for me, that recognition did not come until after human design because I began to understand, oh, okay. Life has carried me. I had very little to do with all the stuff that showed up. I still have very little to do with the stuff that shows up. But if it shows up, I'm going to be available for it. I want to see what's my experience to this? What's my experience? What's my experience? Not what do I understand about it. Understanding is irrelevant. It has some relativity, but it's not important. What's important is helping the mind to understand you're not the boss. You're not in charge of me. I am the boss. (laughs) You're just an aspect of me being the boss. And me being the boss is this. This is what makes me being the boss. What my body experiences informs me of everything that I need to know about me. Not about life, but if you can learn about you, then you've got something to share with people who are trying to find themselves. you got to accept we're all not the same. We're all not going to be in the same place. We're not all not going to have the same understanding because that's not what life is. And i got to trust in me experiencing me as what my life is. Not what people talk about reflectors as. Should be, could be, irrelevant. So I like what you're saying about human design, basically a framework and a map. And what comes up for me is it provides the opportunity for us to get straight with ourselves. It almost opens the door to a type of awareness or seeing that goes beyond maybe what was possible before. I'll give an example. When human design first came into my life and I started getting a sense of what this projector thing was about, what it meant to be a projector, it reframed a lot of my previous experiences in my life that I was beating myself up about or I really struggled with. Why am I different than what these people are doing or why can't I keep up in the ways that most people can? 
it was in a way freeing in that moment of just like, oh, maybe there's more going on, or maybe there's a, I can have a different relationship with myself with this type of awareness. And then that just opened the door to everything else that followed afterwards, which is obviously, you know, a long process, but it does just seem to be a, a framework and a map that gives us a chance of getting straight with ourselves. That's all it's meant for. It's not meant for you now to try to run the world. <laughs> it's not meant for you to try to be something to somebody else. It's about you being you, experiencing you being alive. It's really that simple. But we don't live in a time where that's the norm. Mm -hmm. We live in a time where the mind still runs this planet. Oh, wow. In those early years when you were walking and experimenting with human design experientially, was that the beginning of kind of a, the transit journaling or a kind of a way of being able to experience yourself in a different way through the awareness that came or the framework of the system through looking at transits? And was that part of the process or did that come later? Well, looking at transits was the way I got started. So looking at transits was my process. Okay. I think part of the difficulty with almost any process is that we come into things where we come into things. Again, I was at a place where my life wasn't working wasn't bad. I was still alive. I was still enjoying myself. I was still still alive. <laughs> so it wasn't bad. But it wasn't, nothing was unexpected prior to human design for me. I had lived long enough in this country to recognize, okay, there's only certain things I'm going to be able to do, only certain places I'm going to really be able to go. Fine. Okay with me. So for me, the beautiful thing about human design is it offers the opportunity for you to find you. And if you find you to relax and let you experience not being successful, not being brilliant, not being loving, but if that's what shows up in terms of your experience, great. And, you know, we, we still live in a world where we do a lot of planning about stuff. We want life to go this way. So we're going to plan and see if we can push life into that direction. There's nothing wrong with that if you're aware. If you're aware that that's what's going on with you, great. It's only if you're blind to what you experience. And you're just listening to your mind that keeps saying, hey, look, you know, we need more money. Oh, I could have more love. Oh, I could be more intelligent. Oh, I could be better. Blah, 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 blah. Because that's mine. It's a measurer. And it does its job. Problem is, it's not aware of the job that it's doing. Because along the way, a lot of people are suffering because the mind says you should be this, you should be that, you should be this, you should be that. And society reinforces it. I mean, oh, come on. <laughs> Everything is about education. Are we educating the body? No, we're educating the mind. We are educating the body, but we're educating the mind. Why? Because the mind is what makes us human. 
the mind makes us the masters of this plane of reality. <laughs> no, it's what we interpret from the mind that pushes us into, I got to have more than you, because if I have more than you, then I'm going to be okay. Not, I have enough for me. No, I got to have more. And what did I say earlier about the mind? The mind is male. Yes. Yes. It's male. Yeah. So we have really screwed this planet up. Bigly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so now, unfortunately, we're becoming more conscious that women really have a better role to play. But unfortunately, they're trying to do it like the males have done it. With mind. With mind. With planning. With curtailing. With us against them. Good luck. If you haven't learned from the male that this is not the way to go, I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel sorry for you. Because you got to learn. No, that's not the way. The way is that we're here to preserve this life, this living planet. That's what we're here for. I mean, we have gotten to this level of evolution where our main concern should be, okay, how do we preserve life? Not how do we make more, not how do we be on top, not how do we control people. But, you know, I'm an 80-year-old black man, so what do I know? (laughs) I don't know nothing. (laughs) Except that, one, I never, in my wildest imagination, could believe that I would be this old. Ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. If you had met me when I was in my early 20s, my belief was that I wasn't going to live past 36. Come on. This place, America, was not built with me in mind, other than in a particular role. As soon as I didn't want to play that role anymore, hmm, now I became a threat. I don't know whether you notice it or not, but I'm not afraid to speak my mind. (laughs) And even before I really understood, you couldn't tell me anything. That's a one three. I have learned, oh my goodness. And I've also learned that this third line, you talk about resiliency. Oh, my God. Cancer, lung stuff, thyroid stuff. I've had my feet operated on, my knee. I got a metal knee. And yet, I'm still here. It's like, whoa. (laughs) So for me, it's like, okay, what can I help human design do in order for people to get the experience of themselves being. And I'm going to see if I can't do something about helping uh, get a reflector something. Because we understand manifesting. We understand it better than manifestors because they're stuck in the particular way that they manifest. We understand manifesting in all its ways. We understand generating. And we understand the push of those energies, but we're not stuck with them. We don't have to hold on to them. We can just experience it and let it go. But it doesn't mean that we let it go in terms of what our experience of it is. It means we let it go in terms of it being the motivator of us. 
Energy doesn't motivate us, not in the least. Activation does not motivate us, not in the least. Once you find yourself, I mean, in the beginning, but if you take the time, and when I say take the time, I don't mean how much you read. I actually mean, okay, so this is the definition for first lines. What does that feel like for me? What does the first line of anything, what does it, what's my experience of the first line? What's my experience of the second line? The third line. Now, once I've gotten my experience and I recognize, okay, so that's the first line push. That's the second line push. Okay, so now I can look at the different activations, right? The 64 of them. And I can say, okay, okay, now I've got my experience of what these lines, what the push of those lines are. Now, what's the push of first gate, second gate, third gate? And that was my exploration for the first seven years, pretty much. The first was, what is the push of the energies for me, for me? And that, for me, is the key. It's got to be for you. It's not, what are the energies pushes? They're individual. No two are ever going to be the same. So you can't shrink it down to, well, the first line is the, no. What's it for you? And for me, that's the push. The difficulty is, this is not something that you can learn. This is something you have to experience. You can't learn it. You can't learn human design. You can only experience it. Human design is nothing but a frame. That's all it is. You can learn the frame, <laughs> mm -hmm. but the frame is not going to do you any good unless you understand how it impacts you. What is your experience of the frame? Because my experience is not your experience. And then you got to trust. This is me. This is me. Okay, this is me. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just me. And the beautiful thing for me is I have grown to love me. And I couldn't say that for the first 56, really probably 60 years of my life. What I'm hearing is that the map is not the experience itself. It's a pointer to the experience that we have to discover for ourselves. And if we're not taking that next step, it's like, well, it's interesting, I guess. It's like anything else you pick up and read. It's interesting. It's really nice to read romance novels or swashbuckler novels or, you know, secret agent novels. All those things are great to read. But is that you? I mean, you know. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. You know, we read about other people. We don't read about ourselves. We read about things that are outside of us. We don't read about us. Human design helps you to read you, to learn you, to be you. If that is part of what you learn about you, great. I mean, it's difficult, and I'll, it's true. It's difficult when you have very little resources. It's hard because then you just get lost in trying to survive. And then, you know, most times we'll do whatever is necessary in order for us to survive. I know I did. I don't survive anymore. I don't. It's irrelevant to me how long I have left. Irrelevant. What difference does it make? This moment is the only experience I'm having. What does the future matter? 
And I know the past has no relevance because it's done. So all of that walking helped me to be present to me, to how my body felt all that walking on different days when different energy were available. I don't walk anymore. I sit, I watch TV and read my books, play on my computer. You first folk who asked whether I was available. So good on you. <laughs> but you really need to understand, I don't need them. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed this. See, that's my experience. I enjoy this. You know, I enjoy hearing the different energies. Whether you're a projector, generator, manifester, your energies, I enjoy. I enjoy that. You know, as long as you don't cuss me out, <laughs> I don't like being cussed out. You talk about amplify, I will. You cuss at me, there's amplification coming. I'm just letting you know, that's not to get involved with that. Because I truly understand energies, I'm not afraid of whatever takes place. doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't. I mean, I live in a community because my middle son had a, a baby with his wife. She's three now. This little thing. She's a full one. This little thing is just... She's not my first grandchild, but she's the first grandchild that I've actually had when she was young. So we moved from Sedona to Wenatchee, which is where we are now, Washington State, strictly because I wanted to have some experience with my my grandbaby. Unfortunately, the community that we live in does not offer very many opportunities for anything other than me enjoying my TV and uh, Occasionally, I might read a book, and this lady, who I have no idea why she's stuck with me on this. No, really. When we met, I was a piece of work, and she has put in the work. (laughs) But I have nothing to do with whether she stays with me or not. I don't. That's her choice. And for me, this is what's offered through human design is the opportunity to own your space. However you choose to be in it, own it. Nothing wrong with anything that you own. You want to be an asshole? Be an asshole. Be the best asshole you've ever experienced. You want to be brilliant? Be brilliant. But be brilliant for you. Nothing to do with anybody. But that's a one three. This enjoyment of the energies that you were speaking to, I wonder, is that in a way related to the reflector signature of surprise? Is that another way of talking about it or looking at it? That's something I've never really understood exactly what that experience of surprise was to a reflector, and I never really will, but it sounds like maybe there's a relationship there. Absolutely. See, when you're available for every moment, every moment's a surprise. You heard me say it many times. I'm surprised that I'm still alive. What greater surprise is there? (laughs) Yeah, for a reflector, when we recognize we're alive, we're here, (laughs) we're experiencing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because every moment is different. I may say the same thing over and over again, but every moment is different. So you're going to hear what you hear every moment. And for me, learning that I was open freed me. 
not from being a father, being a husband, you know, being whatever. No. What it freed me from was feeling like I had to carry all of this. People in my life, where I'd come from, where I went to school, all of this I carried. I heard I was open. Then I had to learn what that what that actually entailed in terms of how I experienced being open. And for me, that's what human design provided. It provided me with my map, and I explored it and continued to. Why not? There's this term outer authority in human design teaching. Can you say if you relate to that term or what your experience of that term is? What it- the way it translates to me is when somebody asks me for something, they're asking me for my whatever on that something. So, But it's outside of them. I'm outside of them. I am not their authority. I'm outside of them. So being outside of them, for me, is what outer authority really is about. It's about what I share about my experience being alive. That's my authority, and I'm sharing it out there. Simple. It's not, or it is, your choice. And it's something, obviously, that we all have our own version of, everyone. If you're human, your experiences, when somebody asks you something, is outside of their experience, not them. And it's based on my experience. My experience provides me with my authority. So when you ask me for something, you're asking me for my experience. And I'm giving it out to you. It's not really that profound. I mean, if you really look at it, it's very simple. What complicates it is is that we still use this to determine what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, how much, instead of helping this to recognize, ah, no, it's this. Ah, this is where the experience of being alive is. It ain't here. It's here. But from here, learning my experience of being alive, now, if you ask me about my experience of being alive, I'll share it with you. Because that's what mind is for. My mind is for you. Your mind is for me. My mind is not for me. Even when you help the mind recognize that it's the body that experiences, this is still not for you. It's not. It's a recorder. It's a measuring device. And it's always on a seesaw. It's this. That's the mind, period, from my perspective, my, from my outer authority. That's what the mind is. <laughs> this is a question about relationship, the nature of compromise in relationship. I feel like reflectors will have a very interesting perspective when it comes to that because of the lack of definition, where there's going to be potentially mechanically compromise in most relationships. Is there anything you can share from that point of view in terms of working with compromise? I know that when I ask this question, it's a little bit like, well, what do we do about it? Which gets us kind of back into that realm. But anything that you would like to say about compromise in relationship? It's natural. It's common. And it's not about you. If you stay within your experience, the truth is, compromise is you not being you, trying to be something for somebody else, or somebody else not being them, trying to be something for somebody else. 
For me, that defeats the purpose of human design. Human design is to help you be you, period. I mean, the energies are going to have something to say, but they're only going to have something to say if you don't understand what the energies bring. Because then it's this again, trying to figure out, okay, now she said, okay, you know, he did. <laughs> As we move to the right, if we don't really firmly understand who we are, the rave is going to bring an entirely different experience of being alive. If we're not ourselves, we're going to get caught up in all the stuff that goes on that's not us. The beautiful thing about being a reflector is I don't have the energy for that. I can't get involved in that. There's nothing pushing me towards that. So from that perspective, I love being a reflector. I do. Manifestors have to love themselves. Generators have to love themselves. Projectors have to love themselves. <laughs> it's For me, it's as simple as that. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Human design helps you to understand who you are to love. But if you're not loving you, then, you know, good luck. If you're going to try to find love out there, if you're not loving you, what are you looking for? <laughs> I know what love is to me. I am love to me. When I meet people, I know whether or not that person is for me or not. It's really easy. But that's because I know who I am. See, I can't know the other if I don't know who I am. Not possible. Especially as a reflector. Because there's too much energy out there to get lost in. And I do mean lost in. Which was the first 57 years of my life. Lost in the energies out there. Chasing, 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 chasing. But, you know, I'm 80. You notice I've mentioned I'm 80 a lot. I, I just <laughs> want, I want the admiration for you know, living this long. <laughs> it is an inspiration. See, now that's a good projection. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, given that you are 80, and that you've been working with this for yourself for quite a while now, you know, working with students, working with different people and seeing the different developments in human design over the, the decades now. Do you have wisdom to share about people that are discovering this now in this particular time and with what's available now? No, I don't. This is what's available to me. We become this world where it's the likes, likes, likes. You know, your podcast, it thrives on likes. Just the reality of it. That's how we are at this particular point in time in our evolution. That's where we are. We're finally beginning to recognize that it's more about likes than dislikes. Although that still is the dynamic of humanity. But we're moving, I think, in the right direction. It's just, unfortunately, you know, people are still taking advantage of what they don't really understand. They think they know, they don't really understand. Because if they understood, they wouldn't be doing the things that they're doing. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's like, hey, you live you, believe me, 
Good luck to you. A lot of people come into human design and they're looking at it like, well, what do I do with this? How do I use it? Can I make a buck on it? Can I build a career on it? Can I get more attention or whatever it is? What I'm hearing is, well, you can use it as a map to see something about yourself, maybe to learn more about how your life works or how you work in this life and to learn more about our experience. And maybe that's the starting point. People coming into design these days as well. It's a map. See what it says to you through your experience and then let things work themselves out from there, I guess. The one thing that I do remember that was also part of that initial meeting with Ra was that, and it made the most impact on me, that life is about awareness of life. So your life is about the awareness of your life, about awareness. For me, that's what human design is. It's about awareness. And awareness is simply, it's about being present, not being concerned with what's going to happen when we're finished. Not being concerned about, you know, what happened before we got yeah, all of that stuff. It's about being present. And for me, present is awareness. If I'm present, I'm aware. Now, what is it that I'm aware of? I'm aware of how I experience this moment. Not about being aware of the universe and how it operates. Yeah, people have very interesting concepts of awareness. For me, it's really simple. It's about being present. If I'm present, I'm aware. And what is it that I'm aware of? Being present. I'm not aware of how you present here. I'm not aware of how you are present here. I'm aware of how I am present now. Because now is the only time that exists. So why be in the future? Why be in the past? Why stay in the unknown? And it's gotten me to this age without any help from me. <laughs> information and knowledge about the reflector is something that's kind of hard to come by from direct experience or firsthand experience certainly for us because we're projectors but does seem to be some discussion out in the world about certain misconceptions or myths about reflectors and i'm wondering if there's anything that you see that would be worth speaking to or offering your perspective on in terms of ways that reflectors are are misunderstood or what the reflector is is misunderstood we can't help but be misunderstood i mean there's we really don't fit into the energies at all so we're going to be misunderstood. For me, it's really the issue of reflectors helping reflectors understand reflection. When I'm in somebody's presence, if I'm available to them, I look at them. My aura opens when I look at you, but only in my presence. This is different. If I don't care one whit, I change my focus, close my eyes, I'm out. But each reflector has their own particular way in which that happens, even if they had the exact same design as me. It would be different. They're not me. They're them, right? So that's what they have to discover. The biggest thing for reflectors is we have got to find a way to educate ourselves because none of the other types can. It's nothing you can say to us, nothing, because you have no clue none, whatever, of what being totally open is like. And reflectors have to learn. 
we're built not to hold on to stuff. So don't try. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, you're with an energy being. Don't try to hold on to the energy. Let the energy be the energy. You be you. But in order for that to happen, we have to understand what a reflector is. And only a reflector can help a reflector understand what a reflector is. All the rest of you guys have your theories. They're just theories because you have no experience. So that's what I'm in the process of taking a look at now to see if something can be put in place where reflectors know, okay, I can go here and here I will get more of me because I'll be with people who share a similar bond. Not that many of us. We're spread out really thin. And so most of the time we feel lost. I mean, I know I did before finding myself totally lost, just trying to be everything to everybody and do everything that my mind said it needed to be done. So stay tuned. There may be something coming. Okay. Wonderful. We would love to know about it. We're really grateful for your presence with us today in this way. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You know, if I'm asked, I'll take my 28 and a half days. If it still sticks around, <laughs> then I'm available. If I'm still wanted, See, that's the other thing, too. Mm -hmm. In my decision-making, I've learned if it doesn't stick around, it doesn't stick around. It doesn't stick around. There's nothing to deal with. If it does, okay, then let's see where it goes. And I've enjoyed this. So thank you for offering me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it as well. And there's some stuff processing in here as a result of our conversation. So... I'm looking forward to see where that goes. Good. Okay, I'm done. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Darman. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoy the show, please review us and share. You can find us at humandesigncollective.com and explore our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast is courtesy of Meg Ruby and Anders Parker. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for upcoming episodes on the same channel.